Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I welcome you today to this very special episode of the I, Too, Sing America series with tenor Kenneth Tarver. Millions around the world heard the soaring tenor voice of Kenneth Tarver just a few weeks ago, singing as tenor solos in the Mozart Coronation Mass and among other music at the royal wedding of the Prince and Princess of Monaco. Kenneth Tarver has appeared at the world's most prestigious opera houses, including the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden, and the Metropolitan Opera House, among numerous others. Recent successes include the role of Orfeo in Haydn's Leonina del Filosofo at the Budapest Festival, conducted by Adam Fisher, Gluck's Orfei, and Mozart's Idomeneo, with several other conductors at various other halls. Kenneth Tarver is an alum of Yale University, where he received the Dean's Award for the Most Outstanding Student in graduating in, the, in his class. He is a past winner of the Metropolitan Opera National Council Auditions and was a member of the Metropolitan Young Artist Development Program. There are numerous accolades that Mr. Tarver has, but at this time we want to welcome Kenneth Tarver. Good afternoon, Mr. Tarver. Good afternoon. Patrick, please call me Ken. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Now, just a few weeks ago, uh, it was it was a wonderful occasion for me to turn on the TV and to see you singing at the royal wedding of the Prince and Princess of Monaco. Tell me, how did that invitation come about? Uh, well, I had performed uh, in Monaco a few times before. Uh, I sang a concert with them, and then I made a recording. And uh, I think the fact that I was familiar and appreciated face and, and voice in, in Monaco, I received the invitation to, to perform at the wedding, uh, which was amazing. I was so happy to perform at that wedding. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Did you actually have any face time with the prince and princess after you sang? Well, there was a rehearsal, a wedding rehearsal, uh, and after the wedding rehearsal, the prince came over and spoke uh, to the soloists, uh, thanked us uh, and introduced himself to us, and uh, that was the one opportunity to, to speak with him. And it was very, very exciting. Uh, and at the end of the wedding, there was a moment when the prince and princess were leaving the chapel, and they went past the orchestra, and the prince looked over at me and mouthed, mouthed thank you. Uh, and that, that made me very, very happy. That pleased me quite a lot. Wow. I, I did not meet her, and I really wanted to meet her, but I, I, I didn't have a chance to meet her. I think apparently uh, during the wedding rehearsals and whatnot, she was still sort of in an unofficial role. Um, and apparently now, as a princess, one would be introduced to her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's absolutely fascinating. Now, tell me about um, your journey from Detroit 
you were you're a native of Detroit. How did you how did you become interested or introduced to the world of opera? Um, when I was a young boy in Detroit, um, I was always fascinated with art, and uh, I had the great pleasure and fortune of being able to work at the Detroit Music Hall as a teenager. I was an usher there. I saw a lot of great shows, like um, the Vance Theater of Harlem passed through many times, um, Alvin Ailey. Uh, there were Broadway shows like Sweeney Todd uh, and even plays like Hamlet that passed through. So um, I was an usher, but at the same time I was practicing uh, dance as a young boy. Uh, and in middle school, uh, choir was required. And against my wishes, I was <laughs> forced to sing in the choir. And, uh, <laughs> and well, it just went from there. I mean, I, I got solos in that choir, and then I participated in some competitions and eventually won scholarships. Uh, I won a scholarship to the Interlochen Arts Academy, the Interlochen Summer Camp, uh, and then camp auditioned for another scholarship, which then helped me to attend the Interlochen Arts Academy. So at age 16, I left Detroit to go to Interlochen, um, and I studied voice seriously, as well as dance, but I was a voice major. And from Interlochen, I went to Oberlin College, uh, and then Oberlin, I, from Oberlin, I went to Yale University, and from Yale, I went to New York. After winning the Metropolitan Competition, I was a member of the Young Artist Program at the Met. And after the Met Program, I was invited to Stuttgart, Germany, uh, where I was a member of the Ensemble for about four seasons. Mmm. That's awesome. Now, was your, was your family a musical family? Uh... My family, um, I would say, is artistic. My sister is uh, a dance teacher. My mother is an artist. Um, but, you know, growing up in Detroit, one always heard wonderful music. And I often like to say to, to, to people when I'm discussing my life in Detroit, um, at that time when I was growing up, and even today in Detroit, you often hear Motown music. And Motown music in my opinion, uh, was a style of music that really required wonderful singing. Uh, music was not produced electronically at that time. So all the singers really did sing, and they sang wonderfully, like Aretha Franklin, of course. So as a kid, I did go around the house singing along to Aretha Franklin and Diana Ross and, and uh, you know, uh, Marvin Gaye. Uh, so I think my voice, <laughs> so my voice I think, developed a singing style naturally, unbeknownst to me. Uh, but then, of course, I think uh, I would like to say God gave me a gift to, to use my voice, um, and that has allowed me to to move through the world. Uh, so, yes, I had an artistic experience as a kid. Um, I do recall that it, at some point um, there were arts that were being taught in public schools, and that eventually changed. It changed while I was there. Arts were cut from schools. Um, but yes, art was all around, and my family was artistic in their own ways, and uh, art has led me to where I am today. Hmm. Now, even though your family was artistic, what was their reaction when you chose 
opera per se instead of singing R and B or gospel? What, what was what was the reception of you choosing opera as a career or a genre to sing? My family was very very supportive. Uh, I think the big step of leaving home at sixteen to go to Interlochen Arts Academy, um, that transition or change in my life was the most important. And my family was very much behind my my uh, courage and and uh, pursuit of the arts. Mm. It was not a problem at all. They were so happy and supportive. That is so wonderful. That is so wonderful, and that's such a an important thing uh, to have the support of your family and a key group to to really push you along. That I'm glad you shared that. Now, Europe seems to be your your home base. Do you have any plans to make any uh, performances in any American halls in the future? Uh, I'm working on uh, some plans at the moment. I hope um, within the next year to return to the U.S. to make recital appearances at my alma maters, uh, and particularly at Yale University. I have an invitation to present a recital there and perhaps make a recording. Um, other than that, uh, there are things on the table that are being discussed. Mm. Well, I hope so, Kenneth, because as I mentioned to you, um, I, I posted a clip of you singing a Mozart aria uh, onto my page on Facebook, which is devoted to African-American opera singers. And when everybody saw and heard the clip, they just commented, and they were just so asking the question, who is this tenor? Where is he? Why haven't we heard of him? Um, and that brings me to my point about the royal wedding. I just happened to turn on the TV and see you singing. Um, were there any other press opportunities in the U.S. that promoted the wedding, for instance, in Monaco? Um, to my knowledge, there were two uh, sources of, of information regarding my appearance at the wedding. Uh, I appeared on a radio show in Detroit, and uh, there was um, an interest by the magazine, U.S. magazine, mm. and uh, they, they called me or arranged to speak to me just after the wedding, and they asked me a lot of questions about what I experienced and what I'd seen. Um, those are the only two uh, news outlets that I'm aware of which announced my participation in the wedding. I to to uh, see much more uh, about this, even in Detroit, as a matter of fact. Uh, apparently, uh, I mean, it wasn't possible to get an interview with any of the Detroit newspapers. Um, so, as far as I know, there are only two sources, and then, of course, yours, you noticed, <laughs> on Facebook, which I appreciated so very much, and that's led to speaking to you right now, which I'm very grateful for. Oh, well, well, thank you, and I'm honored. Um, I want to move on. I, I have just been so fascinated with reading your, your bio and the so many experiences you've had. And one thing that stood out, you seem to have great facility uh, in the bel canto repertoire. When did you know that that was your particular niche? Uh, um, well, I think that... Uh, uh, most singers discover their niche in the very beginning of their studies. Um, I do recall as a student at Interlochen and at Yale that I I only sang Mozart. I never moved into bigger repertoire. Um, and that was 
always something that my teachers uh, were sure to to avoid my moving into bigger repertoire. Um, so I always stayed in my Bach singing Mozart and Rossini, and uh, the first opera role that I sang was at Oberlin in my sophomore year. I sang the role of Don Ottavio and actually debuted in Stuttgart, Germany, or in Europe, in the role of Don Ottavio uh, from Don Giovanni. And then I had my international debut outside of Stuttgart at the Aix-en-Provence Festival as Don Ottavio in Don Giovanni. And then my most proud recording at the moment uh, is the role of Don, Don Ottavio from Don Giovanni. Uh, so I've always sang Mozart, Rossini. Uh, I've been recently singing as well Bach and Handel, Haydn. Uh, a lot, I've sang a lot of French repertoire. Um, this coming season, I will sing uh, a Rameau opera called Les Vins de Galant, which is in French. I recorded a lot of French. Uh, so... Uh, my, my repertoire has developed over the years, but I've always sang that kind of repertoire. I can't imagine anything else. Mm. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. Now, I actually have a clip of you singing a piece called De Quelle the Parable. Could you maybe talk more about this aria and maybe the project that it's, it's come from, the piece that you submitted to me today? Okay. Uh, you're going to play both parts? The aria? Uh, yeah. Probably just the aria. Okay, great. Um, well, that aria comes from a recording of an opera called The Sostri. Uh, it was written by a Spanish composer named Taradella. Uh He was a prolific composer. Um, he wrote amazing music for the most outstanding singers at the time. Uh, this piece is unknown. Uh, we recorded it here in Barcelona with an orchestra called RCOC. Um, and uh, this is basically an unknown piece, and it should be making its way onto the market uh, in the coming months. Um, the role is uh, I'm, I'm, my, my character's name is Amasi, and he's uh, an Egyptian prince who is rather uh, an evil character, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in the Baroque operas, the tenor is traditionally the bad guy, uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> which, which uh, it took me a while to realize that, but that, that is actually true. Uh, so, what you will hear now is uh, one of the arias from this opera, Sesostri. The opera, or the character, has two and a half octaves, uh, which is quite extraordinary. It's very, very demanding music, um, lots of trills, uh, and extremely high notes, extremely high notes, and extremely low notes. Lots of moving notes, um, extremely exciting music. So I hope that uh, your listeners will enjoy it as much as I did seeing it. Thank you so much. Let's take a listen.
Um, I learned that offer rather, rather quickly. It was very, very involved. There was a lot of work involved, and I learned that offer up while I was performing the Führung auf dem Serai in Berlin. So between rehearsals and uh, between shows, I was cramming this music for this very, very difficult recording. And uh, generally, preparation for a new role or preparation to revive a role requires uh, coaching. So I spend a lot of time coaching with um, people that I really trust and people who are very, very helpful to, helpful to me. Um, and, of course, there's always the, the issue of language involved. Uh, I have a language coach that I work with. Uh, regarding open and closed vowels and, and consonants and um, word stresses. Um, of course, the opera is written in Italian, so I had to make sure that I understood every single word. Um, I um, was given a study tape that was prepared by my coach, which involved all of the accompaniment and all the melodies, and then we worked on ornament uh, variations for the melodies uh, for the second part, of the aria, um, so it took a lot of work, and then we we spent one week with piano and voice rehearsing, and then we had one week of rehearsals with the orchestra, and then we went to the studio and recorded for a week. And uh, the studio recording process is really quite amazing. Mm. It takes a lot of confidence and patience and stamina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but recording this was such a delight. I'm so happy that it's available, that it will be available, and uh, in my opinion, it's um, a representation of my current stage of artistry. Mm. Uh, I've been working for, uh, let's see, maybe 16 years professionally, and, uh, you know, each year has been a different year. Um, I've been growing as an artist, and... Uh, I would like to say that I, I'm, I'm quite convinced that I've just been getting better as an artist. Uh, and so this product um, is very satisfying to me because I think that I'm using uh, the best skills as far as uh, enunciation, timbre, uh, language, uh, musicality. And I'm happy that uh, it's there as a record of, of my development until this point in my career. Well, you know what, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's all right. I was just going to say I'm so glad that you took time to explicitly answer that question because a lot of times, especially people who are not in the arena of classical music or opera, they would hear all of that bravura and the ornamentation that you just gave us in recording and just think that that just came overnight. So I'm glad that you explained, especially to these people who are aspiring to this career, it takes hard work to learn such a piece. It really does. It takes a lot of work. And to be honest, I mean, considering that I learned it under pressure, I was really fortunate to have a friend who came to my, my apartment and, and, and uh, stayed with me for a week, and we really worked on the music every day. That opera actually has um, 25 recitatives. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, just 25. <laughs> 25 recitatives four extremely difficult areas and uh, and the rest of the I mean the work involved in, in expressing rest of the uh, it just requires extreme skill uh, and 
so it was a lot of work, and 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 I, you know, I must say that I thought there's no way I can do this. There's no way, you know, there's just no way. I had so many things before, and just after the next day after the the recording finished, we had a concert, and then I went off to my next engagement, and. I hadn't learned the music for the next engagement because I was using it to do this uh, recording of the Cell Street. Uh, so sometimes things come up at the last minute and they're very, very important to do and it requires a lot of uh, confidence and study and making music is, uh, is not uh, uh, something to be taken lightly. It's very, very demanding and it can cost a lot of money. Uh, the recording that I did in, in, uh, with Opera Rara um, uh, for that, I went to New York to work with a special coach um, in preparation for the demand of that music. Um, so I often think about, if I may venture into this direction, I often think about young singers, and I think about my experience, and I think about the fact that it, it's, it's an expensive pursuit, really, because students go to school, they often leave school with, uh, with loan debt, and then they have to then pursue a way of making a living while also developing their skills as, as artists, which then requires an investment in teachers. And uh, we have to go to teachers and trust that they will give us the training and information that we need. Uh, and there can be many stumbling blocks along that path. And then the next big question is, how do I start my career? You know, How do I get a good agent? Um, how do I get into a house? An opera house, you know, um, it's a long path, and it's it's it can be it's varied for each individual because we are all individuals with different talents. Um, some people you might think, oh, they don't have what it takes to make it through, and then suddenly something happens, and they go flying and have have wonderful careers. Um, the life of an artist is very difficult, and even I think at the end of an artist artistic career, uh, there are things that one doesn't expect or that one encounters um, unexpectedly. Uh, you know, the artist who who is sort of phased out because there are many artists behind them who are younger, who cost less to engage. Um, even some of the biggest stars that we know today are perhaps performing less than they did 10, 5 years ago because their fee is so high. Uh, even though their name is very popular, their fee is so high and theaters perhaps can't afford to pay them. Um, so then one has to phase into another period of, of uh, career, which might be teaching or, or, or whatever one might find uh, on one individual road through life. Um, so I hope I didn't venture off too much into the wrong direction. But, oh, no, 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 no. Um, you, you actually hit on a key, a key point that I always like to talk to people about because – it, it is expensive to be in in music and in the arts, and a lot of times when people um, come out of the conservatories and music schools, they know how to sing, they know theory, but you have some people in the arts who can't even balance their checkbook, or they don't know how to promote their own selves on things like Facebook or Twitter, or knowing how to get an agent. So I think that's a very important, a very important, a very important and valid point that you make. That one, just because you're an artist, I feel personally myself that you have to be well rounded in some other areas. You have to have some more tools in your toolbox, if I can use that expression. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, I was as I was contemplating this interview, and the, you know, the fact that there may be young people listening to this 
Um, I think that it really is wise to also uh, develop oneself uh, in another direction alongside of art, um, even if it's simply, you know, business communication or, or not that that's simple, but I think having two talents can be very helpful. And um, as, as a young person, one doesn't always realize what's coming along the way, you know? And you don't necessarily know that you need to prepare for the possibility of not being a successful artist or at least have another ability to earn a living uh, while you are pursuing the art. And it costs money. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Costs money, and um, well, but but really, in the end, it's that it's, it's that way with everything that we do. Mm. Everything costs money. Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> you know, the the theme of this whole series is "I Too Sing America," based on the famous poem by Langston Hughes, and the premise of of this whole series is to celebrate the African American male in the firmament of international opera. And I just want to ask this question of you, and I hope and I hope it is not. Um, Treading on, on Daniel's territory, but I just want to ask: um, what is what has been your reception in the world of opera, as far as Europe or anywhere, as far as based on your race? Has race ever played a part in your success in your career? Well, I think as men of color, we all have examples of indications that our race plays a factor in our success uh, or our pursuit of success. So I must say, yes, of course, I have had experiences and uh, that, that I believe uh, are a result of, of my, my heritage. Um, so... I can speak further, but I think that you understand what I mean. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Well, thank you so much. That was that was all I needed. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, moving well, moving right along. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to ask you, I know that you sing opera and leader and oratorio and so forth. Have you ever ventured out of the Western European, the traditional uh, concert repertoire, for lack of a better word? What? Uh, have you maybe pursued other genres? Of music? Yes. Music making, uh, artistry. Um, no, I mean, I've sang some contemporary music. Uh which I really enjoyed, one particular piece, uh, a Russian piece uh, by a contemporary composer. Uh, actually, I'm hoping to present that at Yale. Uh, extremely beautiful music. It's a 20-minute um, piece, which involves uh, a speaker, French, um, and a piano, and the music is extremely beautiful. The story is... Uh, um, a poet, a Russian poet who was uh, Jewish and persecuted under, you know, persecuted for his, his outspoken views on, on uh, politics and, and, of course, because he was Jewish. In any case, um, that was the one uh, venture outside of classical music, or no, not classical music, but uh, traditional 
compositions, uh, and it was a thrill, an absolute thrill. I performed it at the BRBA Festival. I performed it in Paris for Pierre Cartin, Pierre Cartin, a special invitation, uh, and uh, then I also performed it at a festival in Germany um, two years ago. And I'm hoping to perform it at Yale uh, sometime next season. Otherwise, I've stayed with um, the traditional classic repertoire. Oh, wonderful. Now, just to close, I certainly want to thank you so much again for being, for allowing me to have this time with you in this interview, and I hope that this certainly uh, illumines and turns more uh, listeners on to your your exceptional artistry. Again, I just was floored to, to turn on the TV to see you singing the Mozart Coronation Mass. And who, do you recall any of the other musicians who were at that wedding who performed? Well, yes, yes. The wedding was was amazing. I really, it was magical. It really was uh, otherworldly. <laughs> um, uh, sitting in the same room with princes and princesses and and whatnot. And uh, yeah, uh, Andrea on, um, Bocelli sang mm-hmm. at the wedding. David Forrest sang at the wedding. Um, uh, Renee Fleming sang at the wedding. Ah. Uh, um, yeah, it was it was quite wonderful. Now, didn't you sing a contemporary piece also? Yes, uh, a piece from the Coronation Mass written by Paul McCartney um, called the Celebration Mass. And I sang a duet from that with Lisa Larson as the prince and now princess were entering the... Space. Uh, and to me, when I stood to sing that, and I knew that they were entering, I couldn't see them from where I was standing, but I knew where they were. Um, and as the music began, I began to feel quite emotional because I really felt so privileged to be participating in such a moment. Um, to to be using my voice to create an atmosphere for all of those people who were there, people that we generally can never meet, you know. And uh, I, I became overwhelmed with emotion uh, and gratefulness for such a gift and honor and opportunity uh, and and. I began to reflect on where I've come from, and, and I was so thankful. And and my emotions calmed down, and then I was able to sing. Uh, I had a conversation with a colleague who was saying, "Oh, you know, this wedding, this wedding is, yeah, it's special, but you know, I, I would, I don't have to do this. You know, there are more things that are important." But I said to him, "My listen, you know, people couldn't pay to attend this moment in life." or people could not pay to attend this event. This was an invitation-only event, and it was a special event. Um, So those were some of my thoughts during the wedding. Uh, I was very happy for the prince and princess, and I enjoyed the experience with my colleagues, sharing dressing rooms with Rene Fleming and Bocelli and Flores and uh, with the musicians of the orchestra and the conductor. We were all there to, to give this moment a special feeling. And the musical program for the wedding, I thought, was spectacular. We all agreed that it was so beautiful, so magical. Um, 
composers that were chosen and, and selections. Uh, it was a very special event. Following the wedding, there was a big reception, of course, a big reception for all of the invited guests. I wasn't invited to that reception. Oh. Uh, no, I was not invited. And I, I knew beforehand that I wouldn't be invited. Um, but Fleming and Flores, those guys were invited because I think they were extremely special guests of the, uh, the royal family. Uh, there was a big party, and I wanted to be there. I was quite sad not to have been invited to that. As we, but we had our own celebration afterwards with the opera director, you know. And um, it was interesting because during that dinner, I was sitting thinking about the amazing experience that I had, and then I, I had to come to terms with the fact that this magical moment was ending. And as I was landing, having dinner, I realized that I was so fortunate because I was landing into a beautiful place, you know, a place of privilege. I feel very privileged to be able to make music and travel around and, 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 and see different places and to use my voice. And so that magical world that I participated, that, that, that magical world that I contributed to, uh, is special, but I think my life and, the things I see and do are also very, very special, and I'm very, very grateful for that. That's that's uh, the most important part. That's what I wanted to say is that I'm quite grateful for my life and what I'm allowed to do. Well, Kenneth, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today on this very special interview with you. I want to thank you for your time and your and your graciousness. Oh, my goodness, I'm so glad you shared with us. Um, and so many of the listeners, I'm glad that we've had a chance to to let more people know about your great artistry because you're certainly doing a great work. And we hope to hear more and more of you. And when you're singing here, we need to know about it. Thank you, Pastor, for <laughs> thanking me. Uh, but... Really, I am so thankful to you for your invitation. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really thankful to you for this opportunity to speak to 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 people, your public, our public in this moment. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful to you as well. It's, uh, it's a give and take, so I thank you as well. It's my absolute pleasure to speak to you, and, um, you know, I haven't tried to edit what I've said. I just try to speak... Um, from my heart, uh, as you know, friend to friend, and uh, I, person to person, uh, and so I thank you for this invitation and opportunity. Oh, certainly. Listen, thank you so much. And just as we close, could you by any chance let the listeners know where they can perhaps access your website or any other uh, venues that they can maybe keep up with you and follow your career? Well, of course, I have a, a website. KennethTarver.com, uh, and there's also a Facebook fan page. Um, those are the two. Well, I mean, my website generally has current information, uh, so that's where I can. Well, one can see uh, my story as it develops, uh, and then there's also Facebook at the moment, mm-hmm. and perhaps there will be some other way as well uh, in the future of letting people know what's happening. Great, great. Well, Kenneth, thank you so much for joining us live from Europe. And by the way, what, what is the time there? It's uh, 20 minutes to 7 p.m. here in Barcelona. 
Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 